You know, it, it really comes down to everything I did in my life up to the point that I decided this is what I have to do and I stopped going into the office. And that's when I was a financial advisor. Uh, it just led up to that decision. And just looking back at what was I doubting? What was I thinking were reasons not to do this? It was a lot of stuff that was just kind of made up in our heads, right? In my head. Mm. We make up stories and meanings around everything. And fear is a real thing, right? And doubt is a real thing. But looking back, what have I, what have I done my whole life? I've always kind of been self-employed. I have always been a go-getter. I've always jumped off the cliffs and made my parachutes on the way down. You know, open land, crash and burn, all of the above. So why would I allow this to not be the case in this venture. So I just said, you know, honestly, are we okay with cursing? 100%. Okay, well, like, it's more like fuck <laughs> up and go. Like, why are you doubting yourself? And like, Ruben, just do it. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden. And this week, our guest is Ruben Rojas. Ruben is a well-acclaimed artist and entrepreneur, and in this episode, he details having a well-paying but unfulfilling career in finance and real estate as sort of the backdrop to him pursuing art. The reconciliation of being unfulfilled is what set him out to start creating murals for himself, and them growing in popularity led him to then pursue canvas, t-shirts, digital, and now he's one of the most recognizable figures in the art space. Really fascinating story. Uh, he spreads a message of love and positivity, which makes everybody feel good. So let's see how we got there. Let's dive in. Ruben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, really excited to, to dive in to uh, learn more about you and, and your trajectory through art and all that stuff. Uh, growing up, maybe as a starting point, did you always know that art was your path, that you wanted to get into art, that that was sort of the way? You know, good question. Um, no, I've always been an artist though. So like I always drew book covers and the art classes. But, you know, during the time that I was growing up, it wasn't like encouraged as far as it wasn't not encouraged. Like my mom stuck us in all kinds of art classes and painting classes and crafts, like you name it. But it was always like, you know, go, go to school, get the good grades, you know, go be a doctor, go be whatever you want. But like in the, the, the realm of what's normal, quote unquote. Sure. Um, but here I am, you know, I did everything under the sun to avoid becoming the artist that I was supposed to be, but you end up becoming what you're supposed to become as long as you listen to the voice. It might take a little longer in some places, but it worked out. How did you have the confidence to lean into and listen to that voice? You know, it, it really comes down to everything I did in my life up to the point that I decided this is what I have to do and I stopped going into the office. And that's when I was a financial advisor. Uh, it just led up to that decision. And just looking back at what was I doubting? What was I thinking were reasons not to do this? It was a lot of stuff that was just kind of made up in our heads, right? In my head. Mm. We make up stories and meanings around everything. And 
fear is a real thing, right? And doubt is a real thing. But looking back, what have I what have I done my whole life? I've always kind of been self-employed. I have always been a go-getter. I've always jumped off the cliffs and made my parachutes on the way down. You know, open land, crash and burn, all of the above. So why would I allow this to not be the case in this venture? So I just said, you know, honestly, are we okay with cursing? 100%. Okay, well, like, it's more like shut <laughs> up and go. Like, why are you doubting yourself? And like, Ruben, just do it. So one day I stopped going to the office and that was it. But it was looking back at everything, looking back at all my businesses, all my ventures, all the things I took a risk on and realized like, dude, I have the power to make this happen. It's all on me. And if I operate out of personal responsibility, if I don't do it, how will I know I even was going to fail or not fail at it? Mm. And I like how you, you crafted that in terms of personal responsibility because really by honoring your own personal call, you're honoring your purpose for you know, the world. And to not honor your call and to not honor your purpose would be not only a disservice to you, but a disservice to potentially many others. No, totally. Like we all have a set of skills, a gift, a opportunity, a purpose to go do whatever it is that we need to do. I think where we get lost, you know, and I could get caught up in it, and we can all get caught up in it. It's like, well, I'm not the president of the United States, so how am I going to make a difference? You could just be a good citizen. You could be a great brother, a good friend, a good father, a good business partner, whatever it is. Like, don't think so grandiose out the box. You know, examples I give are if I say I'm on a world peace mission, you'll be like, wow, that's like a kind of egomaniac type statement. Like, you out of all people... <laughs> I'm like, no, but if I could change one person to look at the world through the lens of love and they could do one and they could do one and they could do one, if all those ripples go into play, you know, and create a seismic, you know, ripple effect through the whole world, then that could create world peace. You know, am I mm -hmm. on a mission for that? No, but we all have the <laughs> potential to do something like that. Totally. And is that perspective something you had and held? when you were working uh, in finance or did that come after? Has, has it always in a way been, I don't want to say dormant because you're, you're expressing it, you know, on a, on a larger scale now, but was that, was that, was it in you prior to you fully actualizing it through your art? You know, it's the thought process, right? Like the operating system was there. The drive was there. It's, I wasn't framing it. You know, I'm continuing to upgrade my OS as I'm going through this, like to keep it easy. Every time you upgrade your iPhone, you've got new features. So that's kind of what was happening. And I was always a go-getter and I always knew that I could count on myself and, and be the catalyst that I needed to create change. And did I set out when I painted the first mural, like, wow, I can actually affect change and people can start looking at the world through the lens of love. And they're like, hey, I live through love too. No, my first mural said, who will you be? And it had a bunch of ways of being, truth, joy, leader, responsible, worthy, like you name it. But I painted it for myself because just prior to that, I'm doing well, I'm successful, I have no baggage, I'm not married, right? I'm healthy, I'm fit. And I'm making a lot of money, but I was miserable and I was depressed and I couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of bed. So I had to paint a mission, a, a, 
a statement on a wall. I had to paint this mural as a reminder to myself. I'm like, what if I could paint this and just remind me when I drive by what I need to see in the world? Because what are the reminders that we're seeing? We're not good enough. We need a bigger truck and more cars and, and bigger boobs and freeze the fat. Like all these things that are not really speaking into a positive self-worth or, or an image of like we're enough. It's more fear-based. 100%. So I was operating in this fear-based world and I'm like, I need to pay reminders. And just after doing it for a few years, it just became like, wow, my purpose is this mission. Like I have to do it. And the stories that people are telling me. So as I did it, it only reinforced it. Was the framework there? Was the intention there? Yes. But I think if, if it comes down to seeking to understand, seeking to understand yourself, once we can love ourselves, we can give and receive freely, then we can start understanding everyone else. But I think if you don't understand you, how can I understand you, right? Right. Totally. Totally. Well, and, and I, I love too how you, and so, so often from these conversations, there's the awareness and the, just the, the comfortability of creating for oneself and from that place, call it success or resonance or whatever happens. And I, and I, and what I'm really excited by, and, and, and I think you're, you're articulating it really powerfully um in in how you were creating you were in a in a place mentally where you needed this reminder and it was helping you and it was in that self-serving way so to speak that by helping yourself you were helping other people i think that's really beautiful yeah and i think no it's a great way to reframe it and i think i think people think that choosing yourself is selfish and guess what it's okay to be selfish you know, it can lead to you being selfless. But sometimes I think we get confused. And, and I know from sticking around in a relationship too long, sticking around in a business I didn't want to do or a career path I didn't want to do, they're like, well, we have to do this. We're martyrs. Like, what else are we going to do? We're, I'm going to be the good boy. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But like we, you know, if you're religious, we, we're given free will and free choice by God, right? If you're into evolution, we evolved into something better than we were. So however you frame it, we have the power to control us. And we can all choose. The hardest part is realizing that we have a choice. And just, just off of projects I've done in the past, I've been able to talk to people that they didn't think they had a choice. And really understanding that some people don't believe that and don't see it while others see it super clearly. Like, how can we just remind people like you have the choice and the opportunity to do this? And it's being careful in that too. Sure. Well, it's a, it's that it's a great responsibility. And how do you see you have a choice when, how can you get to a place when, to see that you have choice when you've been operating perhaps on autopilot that you didn't have a choice? Well, autopilot's a whole nother ball game, right? I mean, I get stuck in it in my current day to day. You got to want to find it and realize that you're on autopilot and realize mm -hmm. like, wow, five years just flew by. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we forget and we get complacent. 
And again, all these things are okay. And I only speak from how I've been able to use it to get to my point. You know, I can't tell you how to do it, but I could tell you what worked for me. And sometimes you just get fed up, you know, and hopefully you don't get fed up at 70. You get fed up at 30 or 40 or 50. Um, but one of the things that I saw and, and what led me to doing this is I first saw one day being married with kids, you know, my colleagues and everyone saying, dude, you're really good at this finance thing. Like you're one of the best. You're going to be top in the nation. And I'm like, yeah, but piles of money for me to go home and be a resentful, angry asshole that I can't hide buying things for my wife and kids. They'll see right through that because I'm still an angry asshole and I'll probably <laughs> end up divorced and my kids resenting me. I'm like, no, I'd rather have less, be happy and have my wife and my kids loving and we grow together. So some of those things were like, that is more painful than the risk of not changing my life. So I think it's mm. starting to ask the questions of like, where am I right now? Am I really happy? What am I doing this for? And what's keeping me in this path? And, and most often, it's just the fear of not trying the other thing. But the beautiful thing about where we are now, I mean, anyone could start a YouTube channel. Anyone could start a social media account. Anyone could start a side hustle and make something. Doesn't mean you're going to go quit your job and, and run off with it tomorrow. Might take a decade, but opportunity is there now more than ever. Totally. And with that opportunity, I think there's also, you know, the, the, the fear of, in addition to the fear you just mentioned, the fear of what if I try it and I suck? And what if I try it and, you know, it's, what it just the fear of trying it to begin with, you know that 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 oh I'm interested, but not even am I going to suck. I I know I'm going to suck, so I'm not even going to try it, you know. So then that builds resentment within you because you're not doing the thing that you know you could. You have an inclination that you could be good at. Mm -hmm. It's uh, there, there's a lot to your point that society, uh, you know, society's the the norm isn't to hey, which it should be, I think. I think we're both saying that. It, it should be, hey, what do you internally, uh, you know, money, other factors aside, what do you want to do with your life? What what makes you want to get up out of bed in the morning, happy, fulfilled, you know, and and start there. And it kind of sounds like from from your thought process when you were projecting out and thinking about, you know, wife, kids, and, and stuff like that, that another path was born whereby you could do what you love and maybe in the call it short term sacrifice money or financial gain but there's also that other opportunity by looking inside and and tapping into your internal greatness the opportunity to potentially make more than what you're already making down the road you know and and I think that's the other piece that perhaps is lost where it's like there's a lot of answers in here that that you know we we forego in favor of the path that oh well I'm going to be a good husband and a good father and you know gut it out when well you could you could be both those things and still have a happy fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. 
And you know, all, all of that is true. And these are all questions that are based in fear. And we don't know what's going to happen. Well, you know what we do know? We're going to die. <laughs> you know, totally. It's not morbid. It, it's true. You, you're born. Doctor slaps you on the ass. You take your breath and start crying. You're on your trajectory to death. And we don't know when that's going to be. So imagine just living like my life is my pre most precious gift. What am I going to do with it? You know, and look, I have plenty of Netflix and chill days too. You know, it's not about hustle, hustle, hustle. It's like, do what you need to do, but just make sure you, you know the choices you're making. And, you know, what do you have to lose? That's the other thing. Well, a simple question, but when we, if we look at your trajectory as an example, there's a lot. You know, to, to not take the action to, to ask yourself those questions. And I think we don't realize that we have a lot to lose by not answering those, or asking ourselves those questions. Mm -hmm. That train of thought perhaps isn't the, you know, call it the norm of getting introspective regularly to think, well, hey, am I living my best life for me? You know, mm -hmm. and, and getting to that place. So, Hopefully, you know, and it sounds like it does, you know, projects like your art will help people ask themselves those questions in the same way that, you know, it started for you as a reminder to figure out your own, your own life. Yeah, we're all mirrors of each other. But going back a little sooner, it's like, well, what if I suck? What if people don't like it? What if people, you know... People aren't going to like everything, right? But there are 8 billion people on this planet. Someone's going to like something, right? We're on this podcast. I have a podcast. Everyone, there's 2 million and something podcasts in the world. And then there's a bunch of dormant ones. And do you not start a podcast? You're like, well, people are already listening to those. Why are they going to listen to mine? You just got to do it. You got to do it and put the things out there. Like, not all of my stuff's the best. You know, and if you see my first stuff versus now, like now it's identical. I could just do it millions of times identically. But I look at the first ones, and I'm like, ooh. I mean, you could tell it's mine, but it's different. Sure. So, you know, trust me. Like the, I say there's, there's like three fears. You, the fear of success, you know, what does that look like? How do you impact that? The fear of failure, completely different. How do you impact that? And then there's the other one, which is like the first two, you know, I've succeeded, I've failed, like it's part of life. But then the fear of what will people think about me, right? There's a lot mm. of us that fall into that too. So we're trying to show the world who we are according to the definition of the world, right? In my 20s, it was make a ton of money, have big rims on my truck, diamond watches, like all these things. I was 25 years old balling out of real estate, right? And that was what you know, I needed in LA. And I mean, luckily, I was still a nice guy and all that, but I could have easily fallen down that other path of not a nice guy. But that's what I thought success was. And I think a lot of us fall into that. And just when I was in finance for 10 years, people make a lot of money, but live way beyond their means, you know, maybe you're making half a million, but you're living on a million and a half. What's going to happen when you're 50 or 60? Is that house the thing going to make you happy inside or the car? And trust me, I like a nice house and I love nice cars. But, but what's your why behind it? 
right? Mm. So, so that's that's how I start looking at things. Like my, my wife and I and son, we travel. Like that's one of our big things. Um, eventually, we're gonna buy a home, but like those are like our major things. But I'm not gonna buy us a house to put myself in a financial constraint that, oh well, now I can't travel. No, that's like one of the most rewarding things about life. So just think about why are you doing the things? Is it for people to look at you and say, hey, you're succeeding or it looks like it on paper, but they don't know what's going on inside. Also, for a lot of people that you probably don't really care about, they don't really care about you. They just think it's cool. And I used to like operate like that in my 20s. Like, yo, yeah, look, I got all these things. But what did it really mean? To me, now it's about conversations and like having more of those moments. It's also you don't need a million friends, you know. As I get totally. older, the one thing I realize it's hard enough to keep in touch with the, the small narrowing window that you have, especially when you're trying to build and have colleagues and peers and mentors and all these things. So, yeah, I don't know if we went on a tangent there, but we we went on a the right tangent in the sense that it's aligned with everything we've been talking about. No tangent's a bad tangent here, by the way. It's a, it's a brilliant space of infinite possibilities. So I think to everything you said, the ability to kind of ask why is, I mean, it's, it's at the basis, I think, for everything we're talking about from the mural that you initially painted. I would imagine it had seeds of why in there of, you know, why am I waking up? feeling unfulfilled in this financial position, you know, and, and then the unraveling thus is, you know, I guess the, the question here is, did the unraveling of you becoming aware after that first mural mirror your, your artistic trajectory? Well, what led me to that point, let's say, like I was lucky enough in my early 20s to make a lot of money and go completely bankrupt, like and hit the wow. floor. So yeah. like... You know, it was 2009, bankrupt, DUI, the whole shebang. Like, it all went really, really bad. It was a wet reckless, but according to the DMV, it's still a DUI, you know. Um, nothing crazy. Pre-Uber. Um, <laughs> now there's no excuse. Asterisk. No excuse. You have an Uber. But uh, I think part of that and trying, and then going back into finance and realizing I'm in another gig where money's the definition again. I think I just had that opportunity and it helped me open up my eyes because I learned that after you lose it all, money isn't everything. Like I hang out with more billionaires now. Like there's millionaires and then there's billionaires. It's a whole nother world. Like <laughs> it's just another world. And even them that, you know, one of my other poet friends was telling me, you know why you hang around with more billionaires now? Because they, you have something that they can't buy or have. Like what you're creating in the world is different than buying a business or generating a business. And it's not good, bad, or the other, but it's amazing to also be in that space to start having ideas with people there and everywhere. But what led me to the art and the message was all of these things in my life, right? The bankruptcy, the having tons of money and no one else had it, then not having money, then only working for money and trading time for money, but realizing I have so much creativity inside of me you know, doing everything under the sun to ignore my career. And then all the things I did prior to that, other businesses and ventures and 
And the fact that I went to pre-med, then went into real estate, then went into finance, then went back to art, like, why be afraid to reinvent yourself? You never know where you're going to be or where you're going to end up. And I think all of that is what led to the decision. It wasn't just one, aha, it was more everything. And I think listening to it and I guess asking, what do I have to lose? Well, what I have to lose, I'm down this other path and then I'm 52. Right, Of course, kids hate me. Like I just foresaw that. And I think ultimately that foreshadow of that is what helped me kick it over the edge. So you, you kick it over the edge, art becomes the focus. You have you have that initial mural. What was sort of the the point at which it was the next, you know, tipping point where it was like, okay, now art is the this is this is the path that I'm gonna live in and and its tributaries, you know, for the for the foreseeable future. So the first mural was twenty fourteen. Started in 2013, ended in 2014. For the next three years or four years, I was still in finance because I didn't just wake up, paint a mural and got paid, right? I painted another mural and another mural. And I'm like, well, I hate this, um, but how do I make money on this? So the business side. <clears throat> so for the next three and a half, four years, I was trying to figure out how I turn this thing into a business. Once I figured that out and made it viable, Plus, my now wife was a, a, a key um, instigator and like, you can do this. Like all the things you're doing, you can do it. All my clients are like, why aren't you doing that? Like, we'll be fine. Leave us alone. Like, we'll take care of our investments and insurance with somebody else. Like, we got it. So all those things added up to 2018. I just stopped going to the office. I just went, boop, I was out. Stopped going in. And it was really the, the I call it mediocre hell. I was in the middle of self-sabotaging on purpose, the finance biz, not any of my existing clients, but what I didn't do was get more business, go get referrals, grow it. Because if you're growing something that's doing really well, it's really hard to leave it. And then on the other end, I'm trying to figure out how do I paint this art stuff? How do I make money on it, put food on the table before I had a notion of what my entire brand or ethos was. I took on other mural gigs. Hey, paint this giant kombucha bottle on our warehouse. Paint this, paint that. And those paid pretty well. And I'm like, oh, I can make money off of this. And I just came, I was committed to what my message was. Also asking the fact, like, I don't even know what my message is. What is my message? What is my book? What is my look? What is my brand? It just all happened. So I was just saying yes to what was happening. And it just came out and happened. I think sometimes we look back and analysis paralysis or trying to figure it out is is where we get stuck. So I just naturally kept saying yes, and the pain was more painful than the risk of doing something because I didn't know what the pain was on the other side. Right. And and it sounds like then the pain was on the other side was really just the process of figuring it out. And 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 you know, it sounds like mural after mural. In a combination of doing the work and asking yourself the questions of what am I, what's the bigger thing here, mm -hmm. the path kind of created itself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I just followed it. Amazing. So, in many ways, it was asking questions, saying yes, walking the path, and trusting that that was going to lead you to a place since the alignment of, hey, I'm following my heart, I'm following what for me feels like the right step 
conceivably then whatever happens from this place will also be right for me. Yep. The murals are paying. Things things are working in, in terms of figuring out your messaging and call it brand and, and stuff like that. What then is is the is there a moment or is there an experience where you feel like planted and, and, and confident? You know, it's it, you're no longer the, the financial fears are in the rear view uh, from from the financial job, and now you're sitting. Like, what was that experience where you're, you're now you're sitting in that uh, driver's seat and you're you're doing it? You know, the the th- this is now your reality. First note: financial fears are always there. Right. But uh, the fears of like, what does this look like? How is this a business? Yeah. How, like all that, it subsided clearly because now I'm making it and evolving and having it happen. But it, it's still like everything's based on me. I've got to go do the work to create the income. But at the end of the day, if I was a billionaire, if money wasn't an object, I'd be doing the exact thing that I'm doing. So that's how I also know that I'm doing it right. You know, the money is a byproduct. Just like I train for my health, my wellness, my mental, the six packs a byproduct. So as long as that's a byproduct, it's important. Like we need to make money. We need to prosper. And having a lot of it is not a bad thing. But as long as you're sticking true to your mission. So that was the shift in that. Um, and that's what got me to that point. And then just expanding from murals to canvases to prints to clothing, you name it. And and along the while or along that journey, did the mission become your your own personal mission through the art? Did that become more and more clear as as you made those uh, transitions and and you know growths? Or w- w- how did you def- define or come to uh, really spreading the message of love? Yeah, every mural was, I call them paint inspirations, right? Every mural is a new painted inspiration on the wall. It's a love letter to the city, to the neighborhood, wherever they flew me, wherever I was painting. And every time I painted a new one, it just added to that, right? Live through love as a tagline, as a, as whatever, however I use it, wasn't even coined until the end of 2019, maybe 2020. Right. So I was painting this whole thing, just putting it out there as paint inspirations. And then it became that, you know, I mm. don't think Nike started and it was just do it. Right. It's Ruben and right. then Nike. And then the love logo is my swoosh. And then live through love is my just do it tagline. That's how I look at it. You know, and one day because I'm I'm dying to collaborate with Nike. So I'll put it out here on this. Nike is yeah. going to say, J- uh, just do it like Ruben and live through love. That's the campaign. Hmm. Um, you could you can see it on you can see it on a sneaker. You can see it on a shirt, right? I've mocked up some stuff, but uh, it just became a thing. I think I know when I get stuck on things, and then there's like a let's say I'm writing a speech. I'm just looking at the the thing like this, and you don't know where to start. You know, you just don't know where to start. I think you just have to do it. Just do the thing and do it. You know, smart. You know, like I said before, you could turn your side hustle into your thing. But just because you had one successful eBay flip or brownie sale or whatever it is that you do, 
Doesn't mean, oh, let me go quit and do this. Photography business, video editing, make a business out of it. Get someone to hire you. You have to do these things like, oh, I can make a little bit of money here. A little bit of money, a little bit of money. Get to the point of whatever your salary is, wherever you live, 65, 75, 100,000. You need to replace a good chunk of that. And you better have some reserves in your bank account. You can see I was in finance. You don't just quit because what happens if you just quit and go and fail? You didn't fail because it was a bad idea or a side hustle. Maybe you weren't prepared enough. Maybe you didn't have enough in reserves. You didn't know how to build out the business, the marketing or everything. So I always tell people to be careful. And if you look at what I said, it took me almost four years before I went cold turkey and all in. And right. it's not because I was being overly cautious. I was going through all those conversations still in my head. But I think that's also what's important. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, I, it's, 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 it's hard to separate, though, from what you're saying. The, and again, you, you've had a, an amazing, unique set of experiences leading up to those decisions to, you know, finally quit finance with cold turkey. You listened to yourself and and didn't allow, uh, from what you're saying, to that perspective to be colored by things that that weren't coming from in here. And you know that in itself takes a lot of takes a lot of guts. You know, so was there anything that you you mentioned uh, your wife? telling you to, you know, you got this, you can keep going. Was there anything or were there a combination of things that, that, and it could be from what you said earlier, you know, you, you were always happy to bet on yourself and, and, you know, confident in that manner. Was this just another avenue of you betting on yourself just in a different called ball field or, you know, were, were there other influences that were helping push you to go down this path? There's, I mean, it's a combination of both. You know, one is that that self bravado and confidence I have in myself based on my experiences of a I literally asked myself, Ruben, you've always been able to make money. Like, why is this going to be an issue? You know, my my legal side hustles as a kid, all the things like I've always been able to make it. So um, that was one question. Yes, there's there's people encouraging me also, but I still had to do it for me because if we're doing things for other people. That's where it like we get expectation hangover, right? You do it and then maybe it doesn't go out as planned or what was said. And then you're like, wait a minute, because you didn't do it for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was some key moments and some key people, all these things that led down this path. But ultimately, it had to be it had to be me. A lot of what these people did was just help me handle the doubt and the fear that I was already creating right my own stories and 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 they helped you push past them and 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 see that they were your own stories and not necessarily the reality of the situation yeah like for example i was writing poetry to my wife no one knew i did poetry um <laughs> and she was my girlfriend at the time she's like oh i buy this rm drake guy on amazon look here are all his books like you should do one of these like these are great that led me down a whole path of I created an Instagram for poetry that grew really quickly. And then I stopped and I started incorporating that into more of my work. And now I have a poetry journal. But 
things like that are just like, oh, you can do that too. Look what you're doing. Why not try it? This person's doing it. So those are examples of like, oh, look here, check this out, what they're doing. You can probably do that too. So I think it's always good to show people examples of what other people are doing, um, especially if it's attainable, right? Sure. Don't be like, I don't know. Let's say I was dabbling in acting. They're like, yeah, look, you're just like Brad Pitt. Uh, am, I, <laughs> am I though? You know, so like I would say like give examples that are on par. You know, if your kid's making right. rockets, don't call him Elon Musk. But, hey, you can be like Elon. You know, choose your path. I think I think unrealistic expectations tend to feed the fear too. You're like, yeah, but I'm not that person because comparison is not. We want to use them as our examples, not as right. what we want to become, what is possible. Right. And, and, and I think to your point, it's, it's showing that this is a certain path is a possibility. Here's somebody who's done it. You don't have to be them or be like them, but they mm -hmm. just happen to have walked in this path and you can carve your completely unique path and also see that it's possible because of, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Awesome. So. You you mentioned before, you know, kind of the the broad strokes of eventually getting, you know, established in, in murals, moving off over to canvas. What then perpetuates the shift or the growth or the transition to Web three NFTs uh, cryptosphere? It's the next thing, and I don't mean it like fad. It's not a fad, right? We go Web one, Web two is social media and all that played a big role in my murals being spread around the world and people posing in front of them and, and being able to experience them. Now we've got Web3, and there's so much to it. What really fascinates me is, a, and a couple of things, is authentication. You can authenticate a physical product with a digital product, tie them together, tie it in the blockchain, and if you want, you can separate them, sell them separately. But like that's forever in there now. So you can't forge that like a fake COA or now sure. it's kind of, so that's a cool thing. The other thing of just being able to experience the world differently and digitally. I mean, I still had a, a, a weird thing of my hand painted stuff versus my digital art, even in my head. I don't know why, because it takes me actually longer. Sometimes I'm downplaying the digital stuff versus the physical stuff. I don't know why. It's just we've been doing it too, right? A ringtone that you used to buy for your cell phone back in the day or a screen cover. Those were basically NFTs back then. But now there's just ways to authenticate it and move it forward. And then Web3 just gives everyone the opportunity to create anything they want. Like I have these love, fear worlds that I want to build in my head that were going to be physical. But I'm like, ooh, now I could do that in the Web3 space. I could do this in Decentraland. I could put some virtual glasses on someone. Yeah, it'll take a ton of money to build it out, but it's less than we're renting out a warehouse and building it out physically that only people in that area. And like now you're building it and the whole world could experience it. So it's the it's the connection. That's exciting for me as well. And we'll see where it goes. Sky's the limit right now. We're, we're just seeing the baby steps of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the virtual clothes, I've already had people sell fake Ruben clothing. <laughs> no being way. able to authenticate some of like these are handmade hand painted 
Or the cut and sew stuff. Like when you buy it, scan this, and here's your little NFT version of it authenticating your garment. And then the NFT becomes a collectible. And then that also something you can wear when you have your avatar and you're ready to go play in Web3, which I think a lot of people are still far from creating their own avatars. But trying to get there and be ahead of the curve is kind of cool too. So, so we'll see where it goes. And I'm open to a lot of suggestions. But not to take away from the physical world. I think it's about playing in the two and, and melding them together, not using one to escape because I know how that can go. Totally. And and it sounds like you're you're kind of straddling that line pretty beautifully by keeping community in mind and at the forefront. And as you said, from a you know, from a cost standpoint, if you can create a, an experience around your art that you know, a, a huge amount, a wide swath of the population of the world can see versus just, you know, a, a community in Los Angeles. That's, that's something too, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it will be interesting to see, do, do you hope then through, through your art in that side of things and the digital side of things that it will help perpetuate more involvement and more uh, adoption of web three and, and that people can to, to what you're saying, see it as a tool to build community in a way that we haven't been able to do before? I mean, the answer is yes to all of that. You just think about it. A year and a half ago, getting into the NFT and the eight hours of homework just to sign up to get a wallet and then transfer USD to crypto. And like, what do you want? Oh, I need Ether. Oh, I need Bitcoin. Oh, who do I change it through? Oh, what is Coinbase? And before Coinbase, like I've been doing crypto before that too it's like it's scary and like oh my money could just disappear like so that has been one of the barriers to entry right it's like i have to sign up for the secret world that uh no one knows the passcode to and now you can sell an nft with regular usd so i think er early adoption obviously was was to the diehards and the people that love jumping off uh, cliffs early and taking all the risks but realizing in that first drop how many people I knew that weren't native to the space and they're like, hey, I just spent eight hours logging in to create this to get your NFT. I'm like, so I know there's great community and fans and they want to learn it. So part of that is helping the education and the evolution of it. But it's also seeing where can this go? And, you know, what's the barrier to entry? What is the cost? And does an NFT have to be thousands of dollars when you drop it? No, like my next project is going to be very, very inexpensive. But uh, it's just exciting, you know, it's super exciting. I have like crazy ideas where I want the first mural on Mars and I have Mm -hmm. like an NFT collection on Mars. There's a few videos and, you know, the guy I work out with works at SpaceX. Like he's a rocket scientist. No, no way. You know, so I'm like that close. I've done the tours. It's just a matter of. I keep saying it. Maybe Elon's like, yo, put in a couple of plywood panels. We'll, we'll install it up there. It's not necessarily me going up there and paint it because I won't make it back. And I love that. <laughs> but sending something up there would count. So that's how I think. So I think part of this new world is going to be able to do like, imagine if we do that and then we create a virtual experience of that and people go like, hey, I'm on Mars and they're in the Web3 space walking through it. Right. So yeah. it's like looking at all those things and the sky's the limit. There's really yeah. no limit, you know? 
Well, it, it, pun, pun, pun intended here. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, universe is the limit, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really, it's really cool to think too, um, that, you know, now with an established, uh, you know, message and brand too, how that can trans translate across this, like you can have a bigger impact than you're already having, which is immense, uh, as it is, but to, to fathom that it could be even larger because of the technology is also really kind of fascinating to think about too. No, totally. And one of the things that fascinates me with what you said for going deeper is because I, I sit here and say we either operate in love or we operate in a fear. And then we choose how we want to see it. And it's not saying fear is bad. Like there's purpose for fear and fear is good, but it's negative, pessimism, doom and glue, woe is me, victimhood, martyrdom. When we get into that way of thinking and our pattern base, we can become very cynical. We can become very bitter. We can just be like going through the motions and that's feeling like autopilot. So some of the cool things is like, I want to actually, I feel like I could take people and plug them into my brain and be like, look, we can look at it this way or this way, actually give you the example. You still have to choose. We can react or we can respond, right? Mm. You can choose or someone's going to choose for you, but a choice is being made, which all comes back to taking responsibility and how you want to control your life. So if I can create worlds and experiences where I'm running you through fear, like bombarding you, like having that visceral effect, like showing him go, going in a little bit on some of my future thinking, and then flipping it and giving you the answer with all the love and all that and mm. having that reintegrate into your body. And then you get that physical effect when you start really physically feeling it and taking it in and immersing yourself in it. I think maybe people will get it even more. Totally. And now you're talking about art literally being an experience that can transform someone through not necessarily passively observing a a work and having that you know observing a mural or observing a painting or observing clothing and having that you know your senses are perceiving it and you're taking it in this is literally putting an individual or a group of people in a scenario where they're surrounded or they're experiencing your art they're having that as you said that that reaction or that connection to it and the output of them is in some way, either incremental, <laughs> incrementally or, you know, perhaps larger, there's change. And, and mm -hmm. that's, that's powerful. Yeah. So flash forward in the coming uh, months, you know, if, if we can project out that far years, like what can we expect along this, you know, uh, uh, along the forward thinking track uh, from both you know, your art and your projects, like what, what can we expect to see? Just pushing the envelope more, you know, here's a question I, I asked myself, I think I wrote something the other day. I was talking about this. It's like, are you playing small? Can you play bigger? What's next? I'm always looking at what's next. And every year we level up, we do cool projects. I also need to pause and reflect and, and celebrate what has happened but really what's next and what can I do at the next level? And I think when you start thinking that way, you can evolve, but also it's not jumping 
you know, once you have a thing, you don't just randomly jump and do something else. It's also perfecting what you've done and how do you evolve the whole thing moving forward. So probably meeting some of the right people to build out, I don't know, call it planet love. Um, and, you know, the moons are like empathy and kindness and love it. Um, talking it out as we speak it. These are all things that I think about. But some of that's also just not in my wheelhouse. I wouldn't know how to code any of that. Right. And and then you want to find the right people to do it with that. Make sure they align with the mission. So that's where, you know, it gets hairy and scary. But we'll see, you know, what what's happening. This this next project, a million acts of love um, early next year. That's kind of all I can say at the moment. Okay. We've got uh, the podcast continuing to grow clothing the art the murals doing even more murals and in 2016 i started playing with augmented reality i think bringing that back to my murals now now that you could just pick up your phone and be like and it starts working and, and bringing back to the messaging I, w I wanted to do way back then the only problem is you have to be in the perfect spot with the perfect light and maybe it worked um mm. it was just the barrier to entry <laughs> on tech was was tough there and then you have to make someone download an app that was pretty glitchy so the tech the tech has kind of caught up to the vision that you'd had back then is, is what you're saying oh yeah the tech's definitely there now so it's just getting the right team to execute it all together and now tying what i did back then now you know anyway neat yeah 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 which which that's how does it feel then to to also be in a way you were ahead of the curve if the vision was something that can now be implemented. But back then, you know, you were ahead of the tech. You know, it's interesting because I do look back and like what you just said, now you might, dude, I was ahead of the curve for a long time. And now I feel like I'm a little behind the curve, um, which I'm not, but like I look at other NFT projects and things out there. But I also look at that space as another vertical to the art universe that I have. It wasn't my end all be all or anything. It, and it wasn't like, oh, let's shift everything here now because it's hot and popping. I mean, now look what's happening. So to me, it's just prints are a thing, right? Clothing's a thing. Sculptures are a thing. NFTs are a thing. Um, everything I do is to amplify the message of living through love. And we all learn differently. One of these things get to land for somebody, whatever. It's like, you know, pick your jersey. Your journey. Is it a sticker? Is it a t-shirt? Is it a painting? Is it a mural? Tune into the podcast, a keynote speech, whatever it is. Like, you know, I'm just here to, to, to share how I do it and how I practice it. And hopefully it lands for someone to be able to make the choices they need to make so that they can practice living through love as well. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Ruben, if, if people want to uh, practice or uh, find out how to uh, potentially live through love? How, how can they find you? How can they find the messaging? How can they find it all? Uh, easy. It's my name, Ruben Rojas, R-U-B-E-N-R-O-J-A-S on Instagram.com, Twitter. Um, the podcast is Live Through Love. Just Ruben Rojas, Live Through Love. Google it. It'll pop up. Amazing. Uh, Ruben Rojas, thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation and, and one that, you know, I'm inspired. I, I hope the listeners too are inspired as well. And, uh, you know, what a, what a journey, what a trajectory and, and what a message. 
Thank you for having me, Steve. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Solon and Decentral Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Himes.